Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. With home security, there's two ways that you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs a small fortune. Or there's the other way, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award-winning protection, two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice Award. Simply Safe blankets your whole home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard the inside. You barely notice it's even there. But what's truly remarkable is that you can set up the system all by yourself. Anyone can do it. It takes 30 minutes to an hour, tops, and there's absolutely no trade-offs to your safety. You have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice 24-7. Go to simplysafe.com team today and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to go to simplysafe.com team. That's simplysafe.com team. Here's the ball game. Virginia leads 33-28, trying to shock the number two team in the country here in Charlottesville. The last play of the game for the third time. You'll know in four seconds who wins it. Touchdown! No! No! They say he didn't make it! Virginia's upset Florida State! UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Guys in Ties podcast. I'm here with Robert, and we are going to do something a little bit different today. We are going to be doing a Guys and Ties classic, which means that we watch, and Rob and I both did this, we just watched the 1995 Florida State versus UVA football game, uh, one of the most famous football games in UVA history, and we're going to talk about it. We've got some categories that we're going to go over as well, and we're going to pick a best play of the game, we're going to pick a... MVP and a offensive player of the game and a defensive player of the game. And we're also going to do some other things as well. So Rob, let's just start off by talking about how we felt about the game. Just watching it. This was actually my first time watching it. Have you watched it before? Yeah, I'd seen, I'd seen it a couple of times, just throwing it on here and then, but um, dude, it was pretty cool. It's always a pretty cool experience to go back and kind of watch that game. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that, you know, I think everyone who's a UVA fan has seen the the highlight of the work done stop on the goal line. And I think that's that maybe one of the famous, most famous plays of UVA history, if not the most famous. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. But just in general, rewatching this game, how did you feel about you know, the team at that time, you know, we were, I was one, not even one at the time. And so I don't remember this. I wasn't at the game. I wasn't there, but just watching it back, it felt good to see, you know, a different era of UVA football. 
Dude, yeah, I mean, it was a high-level game, man. You had talent, you know, NFL-caliber talent on both sides, you know, UVA offense and defense, and obviously, you know, all over that Florida State roster, too. And, you know, you and I were talking about this, too. It was kind of – it was cool because it was like a throwback style of football, too. You know, like college has moved to these spread offenses, and, you know, the NFL has largely followed. And, you know, we're watching this game, and, you know, the fullbacks are in the game. There's quarterback, halfback options. There's fullback dives. I mean, there's play action. I mean, that was really, like, how UVA stayed in this game is, you know, through the play action, which was effective because Tiki Barber was so effective on the ground. But – Dude, yeah, I mean, it was a cool game to watch, and it was, like, high level, and there were a lot of plays made, and honestly, there were probably more plays made on the defensive side of the ball. You know, both mm-hmm. uh, Grow and Canell through kind of untimely interceptions. Three You each. know, Virginia had four turnovers. Yep. And, but, dude, yeah, it was a high-level football game, man. It was fun to watch, you know, a lot, a lot of talent on that field, and, you know, it's kind of crazy to think back. You know, I think Virginia was number 24 in that game. Florida State was... Number two, two, you know, 29 straight conference wins, like, on top of the world. But UVA had their fair share of talent, too. And, I mean, it was it was a high-level football game. Yeah, and I think the first thing that I noticed when watching this game was that UVA came out with a lot of energy. The fans came out with a lot of energy. It just felt, you know, different than a lot of football that we're used to nowadays, uh, except for, you know, this past year when we beat, you know, we beat Florida State again beating Tech at home, that kind of same energy felt like it was back. And it's good to be back in a place where people believe in UVA football and people want UVA football to do well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And but it was, it was absolutely a different era. I mean, the George Welsh years, you know, you and I were both kind of too young to really appreciate them mm-hmm. while they were going on. But yeah, I mean, that was some high-level football. And, you know, you talk to people who kind of lived through those days and, you know, it even carried through those same kind of big recruiting classes that brought in a lot of talent. Those even carried over at the beginning of the grow days. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was different, man. It wasn't, you know, <laughs> with all due respect to Bronco, who's a tremendous developer of talent, you know, we're still playing with mostly three-star guys. And, you know, it's taken a lot to try to get some of these guys into the NFL. And, that just wasn't the case with this roster. I mean, you look at the, and uh, I mean, bona fide NFL stars, you know, you had Tiki, Rondé Barber, you know, James Ferrier. And, you know, if it wasn't for that knee injury, you're talking Anthony Poindexter too. And, you know, there's NFL players just across the board. And, you know, it was, <laughs> like I said, it's just really cool to see like those guys wearing a Virginia football uniform. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go over some stats real quick, just some basic stats of the game. Uh, FSU and UVA had over 20 first downs each. FSU had 26. UVA had 22. Uh, UVA outrushed FSU 196 to 59. So a lot of rushing goes there, but FSU takes the passing yards crown. Uh, FSU had 487 passing yards to UVA's 302. Uh, UVA QB Grow was sacked three times, and Cannell. FSU's QB was sacked five times. We had 92 return yards to FSU's 50, and we lost two fumbles. FSU lost zero fumbles. Each team had three interceptions. Uh, UVA had six penalties for 32 yards. FSU had three penalties for 27 yards, and UVA won the possession battle 34 minutes to 25 minutes, or 26 minutes, more or less. But anyway, with that, let's go right into these categories that we have. 
And to start off, we're going to start off with play of the game. So, Rob, I want you to list a couple plays that you think should be nominated for play of the game. Yeah, you know, to me, the one that stands out most is, you know, that 72-yard touchdown pass uh, in the second quarter right before halftime from Grow to uh, Demetrius Allen. Mm-hmm. You know, that that opened up the game 24-14 to 14 in UVA's favor. And right before halftime, you know, rewatching that game, like you kind of, you know, football games, just like every sport has so many swings. And, you know, we all know that game from the last play in the goal line stand, but obviously UVA had to make plays to stay in it. And when Virginia, you know, Florida State scores first and, you know, it seems like Virginia is just kind of keeping up at the beginning. But that play, that 72 yard touchdown was the play, you know, when I'm rewatching it, I'm like, yeah, Virginia's in this game. Like Virginia's here for real. So to me, to do that right before halftime, that was obviously a huge play. And then, uh, you know, Tiki Barber's 64-yard run, and it's weird, both of these plays come in the first half, Mm -hmm. but his touchdown run, you know, again, that's another example where, you know, Florida State goes down on their first drive, and they miss some passes, but, you know, they get on the board first, and if Virginia doesn't answer, then Florida State might just run away with it like they did against so many of their opponents in that era. And Tiki Barber, I mean, that dude could fly, too. I mean, you know, I remember Tiki Barber from his later years in the NFL when he probably didn't have that speed, but mm-hmm. Tiki Barber was flying on that 64-yard touchdown run. So yeah. to me, those two stand out kind of more than the others. Even, you know, we won't consider the goal line stand, but to me, those are the two biggest I players. think I think we should consider the goal line stand. I think without that, we lose the game. You know, even, yeah, I even mean, though fair enough, fair enough. I mean, even though we we played really well without that defensive stand, I think the uh, on the goal line, I think we don't win that game. I think that has to be considered, and I also think that the blocked punt by James Ferrier should be considered as well, just because it set up a UVA score to tie the game. It set so up for a UV- UVA to take the lead. It was yeah. 14-14. Right. And then, uh, yeah, we get the ball in the Florida State 20 It was, so. it was for yeah, the tie. It was goal. for the lead. It was for the lead. That's correct. Yeah. First of four field goals yes. for uh, Garcia. Rafael Garcia. So, so that, that's a good one. I, I forgot about the black pine. That's a good one. What? So what is your vote? Would you still vote for the long touchdown pass, or would you consider something else? If we're not – doing the goal line stand if we are doing the goal line stand it's the goal line stand but if we're finding another play give me give me the 72 are you, yard touchdown are you saying pass. we're taking it out because it's too good it's too like it's is the it, clear winner is that's it, the moment you know that's the moment that's the game is how it's defined is that is the goal line stand the most memorable play in uva football history it's a good one I think so. Like what if and we can do this another time, but what other play do you stack up there with that goal line stand? In terms of not only memorableness but also importance, right? Because not only was that a memorable play, but it also won the game for the Hoos against number 2 Florida State, first ACC loss for the Seminoles. So, I don't I, that might be the best UVA play of all time. Yeah, like now that you like frame it that way, like I remember, like you know, you and I have both kind of followed UVA football for what, like fifteen years now. Yeah. So it's like we both, I think, more of like games than actual plays and moments. And now that I think of it that way, yeah, I would say at least for me, that's kind of the most most important best play that I've seen for UVA football. I think with a lot of 
things. There's a lot of recency bias, especially for, you know, people like us who are younger and don't remember things past 2000, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, like, when I'm thinking about best plays, I think a lot about this year, you know, Bryce Perkins' touchdown to Hassis Dubois in the Orange Bowl or uh, Bryce per- one of Bryce Perkins' runs against Virginia Tech or the um, sack fumble against Virginia Tech to seal the game. Those, those plays are meaningful but also very important. But I think this one kind of just tops it all based on how important that game was at the time and also how it has stood the test of time over so many years. And so many people, like that, that play is still in every, you know, hype video for UVA football. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's so weird, like going back and watching that play too. Cause like one thing that you don't appreciate really until, or at least I didn't appreciate until I rewatched the game with you is Florida State ran that, half-pack direct snap to Dunn earlier in the game. That was mm-hmm. the second time in the game they ran that same play. Yeah. So it's like, it was almost weird to see them call it again. And Warwick Dunn said after the game, like, I was shocked we ran that play call for the win. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's it's like part of the reason it's so memorable is because it's such a weird play. I mean, now, like, you know, you never see plays like that. I mean, I remember playing NCAA and Madden growing up and you could have a direct snap to the running back, but like, mm-hmm. you never see that anymore. Yeah, so it's... it was like, it's cool. It's either it's either like a a true wild wildcat set where you like you they bring in a quarterback and you know it's coming, or it 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 just really doesn't happen that often. You're right. I get it's changed so much since that time. Like nowadays, a lot of teams would just bring in another quarterback to do that. Like Florida did that in the Orange Bowl. Yeah, they bring no, exactly. in that quarterback to to run wildcat plays. Yeah. No, I mean it's different. I mean I think that's part of the reason why it stands out so much is. It was just such a unique play, and obviously it had everything on the line, too. Right. And, you know, just the play and the fact that it was so close. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the ball pops out right at the end, but it was so close. And, I mean, Danny Cannell is on ESPN to this day saying Warwick Dunn got in. So, I mean, it's really – I mean, it's just – there's so many parts of it that are, you know, pretty cool to remember. Watching the replay, it looks like he gets in in live action. It really looks like it. But then when they slow it down and when you actually see the ball come out at the end, it is very clear that he does not make it. Yeah, like we should, we, you both, we both think he was short, right? Yeah. Oh, no, he was definitely like he short. Was short. He was short. And I'm saying that is, that is an unbiased opinion. <laughs> Can you imagine instant replay if they had that during that game? Oh, it would have taken forever. It would have been. Because everyone was on the field to play before. Oh, it would have taken 10 minutes. And everyone was on the field again if the refs were like, oh, we got to review this. Right. It would have been madness. No, it would have been terrible. And, you know, that's a different era of game where there was an instant replay. There was actually a call a couple plays before that when Florida State was driving, and they threw like a 30, 40-yard pass, and the receiver seemed like he caught it, but one ref said he had it, and one ref said that it was on the ground. And the refs actually got into a heated argument about whether it was a catch or not. And that's that's a play nowadays that they would just look at it for, you know, two minutes. It, it was clearly the ball fell on the ground at the very end, but it was a clear no catch. But the refs didn't have instant replay back then, so they had to fight for it. And it was really interesting <laughs> to see the difference in that in that style you know nowadays they're just like oh, we're just gonna take a look at it but back then they're like well we can't do that and we're just gonna do the best that we can 
Yeah, no, I mean, totally different era of football. I mean, God, I mean, I guess it was 25 years ago now. I mean, it's crazy to think how far the game has come and how much it's changed just 25 years. I yep. mean, it really is. Yeah. But um, Let, let's go back all to, that to say, <laughs> let's go back to the play of the game. So let's the say play of the game. <laughs> if we're if we're counting the goal line stand, it's that. But let's say we're not. Let's choose a different play. I'll take the long touchdown pass before halftime. That would have been my play of the game. Okay. I'm going to take, I, I was, I was going to say that I can also make an argument for Tiki's uh, long touchdown run. I think there was a lot more skill involved in that. You know, Tiki just hit the corner and then put on the burners and just outran everyone with the touchdown catch. Two Florida state defenders just ran into each other and, and the <laughs> UVA receiver just caught the ball. So I think, I think what you're saying is that, you know, it put us very much more into the lead. Tiki's play even though it was great, it tied the game for us, but Florida State goes back and scores um, later in the quarter. So I, I'll agree with you on that. Let's give it to the long touchdown pass. All right. So we got we got an offensive play of the game. <laughs> what's next? What, what's the next superlative? Yeah. I'll, oh, no, no, no. That was the play of the game. Play of the game. We need to play do of offensive player of the game now. Okay. Tiki Barber. Can we say Tiki Barber? I think it's Tiki. Yeah, I I think you could also make a, a argument for Canel. But since this is a UVA podcast, I think we have to go with Tiki. Yeah, I mean, Canel, looking back at it, you know, the fact that he had, what, like 487 yards pass. I mean, that's absurd. Yeah. Like, absolutely absurd. 454 officially, because Dunn had a 33-yard pass mm-hmm. on the trick plays. But 454 yards passing... And honestly, it could have been easily 100 more because he missed some wide open guys. You know, I mean, you and I talked about it when we were watching the game, you know, the deep ball, I think it was third or fourth quarter. I mean, Cannell hits that guy in stride or even if he's short on the ball by five yards. I mean, that dude is coasting in for a touchdown. Yeah. You know, you could just see the skill and the talent of that Florida State passing game. And Cannell, you know, just wasn't playing a day game that night. No, but uh, he was 32 of 67 for 454 yards, three touchdowns, did have three picks, though, especially the costly one in the fourth quarter, and then also a goal line one, I think, in the second quarter as well. So it was tough, tough game for him uh, picks-wise. And you're right, he missed some wide-open people that really would have— Florida State, I think, wins that game if he hits a couple of those passes because um, the Florida State receivers were all over the place. He was slinging—he could throw it 70 yards easy. Dude, so, yeah, I was impressed. Like I was, I was impressed. He missed some guys, but I was impressed by. Him. He had a cannon. <laughs> yeah, he had a cannon. <laughs> I mean, but I think no I part. think since this is a UVA podcast, we have to go with Tiki Barber. Uh, I do want to give a special special shout out to Mike Grow, UVA quarterback. Uh, Nineteen of thirty-seven, three touchdowns, three interceptions, three hundred two yards. That's a good stat line. But I think it's got to go to Tiki with you know one hundred and. Uh, 93, 93 yards, 31 rushing, rushing attempts, uh, two total touchdowns, one passing, and one uh, one receiving and one rushing. So I think it's got to go to Tiki on that one. Yeah, I mean, he had almost 300 yards of total offense because then he had another 45 yards receiving, and mm-hmm. then he was the punt returner. Yeah. I mean, he truly – I mean, Virginia doesn't win that game without Tiki Barber. No. He was awesome that night. One thing I will say is that he did fumble – on uh, UVA's first possession, which is kind of a huge letdown, leads to Florida State's first score. 
And he also muffed two punts that could have gone disastrously wrong if they bounced the wrong way into Florida State's hands. Luckily, they didn't. Well, I mean, not. that's that's kind of the story of the game, too, is that, you know, both, well, both offenses were making plays, both defenses were making plays, too. And, like, Virginia had four turnovers. I mean, how often do you see a team with four turnovers playing an old-school pro style of football beat, you know, a team of FSU's caliber that year mm-hmm. when you have four turnovers? Right. And the reason Virginia could do that is because Florida State made those same mistakes, you know? They were throwing untimely interceptions. I mean, some just right on the goal line and just giving points away. I mean, that was kind of the story of the game is that, these teams would get so close and then, you know, they'd throw an interception or Florida state ran that weird trick play and on fourth and one. And it was, it was just a strange game. You mm-hmm. know, it was just a really weird game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've got our offensive player of the game. Let's move on to our defensive player of the game. And for this one, I think Rob and I, we talked about it before. We, we agree. Percy Ellsworth. Yes, that's right. It's kind of weird because, like, you're going back and looking at plays, and, like, the UVA defense made a lot of plays, but they also gave up a lot of yards. And it was really that mm-hmm. bend but don't break mentality. And no one personified that more than Percy Ellsworth. You know, Florida State, you know, UVA goes up 17 14. Florida State gets the ball back. You know, they throw two consecutive, not two consecutive, but they hit multiple deep balls um, on this next possession. But then Ellsworth comes up with the interception at the UVA, like three yard line. And then obviously you got to go to the fourth quarter too, where Florida state's driving and, you know, in their minds, it probably was their last possession. What yeah. they thought was going to be their last possession. Yeah. We and get, Ellsworth we, comes on up with the interception with, with about two uh, minutes, two thirty-five to play. Yeah. yeah. And of course, Florida state gets the ball back and, you know, it gets complicated. It was a really, <laughs> cla- almost a very classic UVA choke job at the very end luckily it didn't get there almost classic uva almost and even almost. even with the 12 men on the field the very last play yeah oh i mean if that doesn't have mike london written all over <laughs> like <laughs> was he a cop then ah oh, he might have been or was he playing we'll have to go back we gotta look at the tapes for that one <laughs> but yeah i mean it was crazy. I mean, and you can say the same thing for Florida State. I mean, Florida State has one or two more things going their way. I'm still confused by, like, the fourth and one play where they tried to, like, run the uh, running back pass. I'm still confused by that. But mm-hmm. anyway, like, it was just such a close game. And, like, literally inches won it at the end. But, you know, I don't know if there were necessarily any, like, bad or weird play calls at least on uva side i thought uva when you look at the play calling was pretty good florida state you can look at the play calling and say "Eh, i don't know about a play here there but yeah like they they go for it they go for it on that fourth and one with the uh, again the direct snap to dunn and uh it doesn't quite work uh so yeah so florida state definitely made a couple weird play calls yeah and i mean it's just play calls you don't really see anymore i mean that's like i said dude i mean these guys are taking snaps like not only under center, but they've got the power eye. They've got a fullback and two tight ends on the field. I mean, no one plays that style of football anymore. I mean, Bryce Perkins, he took maybe 10 snaps from under center this season, and they were all in that weird wishbone formation where they handed it to Wayne on the goal line. Yeah. Like, that's just what it was. It's just a different style of football. And you kind of see, like, you know, these were before the days of Chip Kelly and Lincoln Riley where offenses really spread it out and, I guess this is kind of how offenses would get creative back in the day. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of tough to say. Just but pound run, it up like, the middle. Weird things. Just yeah. pound it. <laughs> that's, that's creative as they got. So we've got our offensive player of the game, Tiki Barber, de- defensive player of the game, Ellsworth with the two interceptions. 
Let's go on to that last category of MVP. Who is the most valuable person or most valuable thing during this game? From UVA, I still want to say Tiki Barber, just because he kind of was the counter to Florida State's, you know, big playability that they had. And you saw that with his not even or not only his 64 yard touchdown run but also mm-hmm. he could get 20 yards on just a draw up the middle and you know you look at UVA's play calling that game it's pretty much all draws and play action passes and obviously if you don't have the run game working the play action pass doesn't work so right. to me I don't think anyone for UVA had as much impact on that game as Tiki Barber did I want to throw in a couple couple things uh one one silly one is uh, the cold air uh Bowden was concerned he said before the game that uh the cold air would hurt his team uh it was the most northern game that they had played uh to that point in the season so Bowden was concerned that the cold air would uh make his team play worse and uh it seems like it did his his fears came true I also want to I want to say maybe Welsh was the MVP I think he there's some good play calling but also some good personnel on the field at the same time you know we talked about uh his team building abilities and just the people he had on that team i think he's an mvp for that my real mvp has got to be the special teams though uh special teams in this game played outstanding we had two first team all acc kickers in this game uh we had bryce our punter and we also had garcia our field goal specialist uh garcia had four field goals and uh Bryce had several punts that pinned Florida State way, way back in their own territory. We also had a punt block and some great punt coverage as well. What do you think of my pick, Rob? <laughs> I, I actually love it because Virginia doesn't win that game without their special teams play. Like right. Four for four field goals. It kind of reminds me of the 95 or the uh, 2005 Florida State game where yeah. Virginia won and Connor Hughes was like, four or four or five or five again but mm-hmm. yeah the field goals the field position played a huge role as well i mean to have like that that good of a florida state offense backed up so frequently yeah i mean that was huge i mean you gotta you absolutely have to talk about special teams too because you know that was obviously a big part of it and do i mean the coaching staff you know uh it's kind of weird to think about too like tom o'brien was the uva offensive coordinator yeah you know it's o'brien like I don't know. In my mind, I remember him more for being the NC State coach. And mm-hmm. then he obviously had the second stint with the team. Uh, and the London years were kind of As he was more not, known for his spats the, with Jake McGee than anything else. Yeah, the not head but, coach. Uh, yeah, not head coach. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of talent, you know, obviously on the field, but on the sidelines, too. Because, I mean, Bobby Bowden, one of the greatest coaches of all time. George Welsh is a Hall of Famer. You know, they're – there was a lot. I think you bring up a lot of good points there, 100%. So who do we give it to? I think I think personally I would give it to special teams, but you can give we can split here if you want. If we're giving it to a player, give me Tiki Barber. If we're giving it to a unit, offense, defense, or special teams, I think you can make it's, a real case for special it's teams. It's got to be special teams. All right, special teams it is. <laughs> we could say most valuable personnel. Yeah, they're just most valuable. This just is our podcast. Valuable. We can do whatever we want, Rob. We make the <laughs> rules. We talked a little bit about this earlier, but there's a lot of players in this game who went on to play professionally. 
uh, where is for both teams. But for UVA, we got Tiki Barber, most notably Rondé Barber as well. James Ferrier went on to play professionally. There's a lot of players who went on as well. And I think I want to talk about the different players who, who did this and also which one of those players had the best professional career. Yeah, so, I mean, we are talking about this. Kind of the three for UVA that we keep coming down to would be the Barber Twins, Tiki and Rondé, and James Ferrier. So which which one's your guy, Dustin? So I, I would argue with Ferrier on this one. Ferrier had a 16-year career, and he played with the Steelers, most notably, and also the Jets. Uh, he had two Super Bowl rings, two Super Bowl wins with the Steelers. Uh, I think that, you know, he was really solid in that really stout Steelers defense. I think that, you know, is he a game changer? No. For that team? Probably not. Is he super solid? Definitely. I think he has the best pro career. Interesting. So who would you say? I'll say Rondé Barber. Um, you know, Rondé Barber, he's the type of guy that in like 10 years, we're still going to be talking about like, is he a Hall of Famer? I don't know if he'll ever get in. He's like right. just right on that borderline status. But, you know, the dude played forever, all with Tampa, won a Super Bowl. And, you know, he kind of followed the Charles Woodson path too, where he was a really, really good corner. And then later in his career, they moved him to safety. And mm-hmm. He was a really, really good safety. You know, 28 career sacks. 47 career interceptions you know he was no he would score a lot of touchdowns too he had eight career touchdowns mm-hmm. um you know he was he was just kind of exactly what you want in a secondary player um although i do i would it's funny you say fairier because i would i'd say tiki barber second because oh really you know tiki barber had he had his fumbling issues a little mm-hmm. bit early on in his, his career and but once he kind of cleaned those up i mean he was one of the top running backs in the game you know running you know out of the backfield he was really good too as a pass catcher and i'll tell you i saw his last career game uh last career regular season game that is when they played the redskins it was a it was a night game i want to say it was a saturday night game oh, really? at fedex field and he was unstoppable he had like over 200 rushing yards it was one of the best individual performances i've seen out of an nfl player and i mean that guy retired and i think if tiki barber had played another couple of years mm-hmm. you know we'd be talking about tiki barber way more as far as the nfl history books goes and you know he's just like ronde give him another three it's different with running backs but give him another couple of years and maybe he's you know close to the borderline hall of fame discussion that ronde was on because tiki was only getting better as his career went on and yeah. he retired at such a high level yeah uh, that he was playing at no yeah definitely and um you know, you mentioned Tiki. I think Tiki Barber is probably the most notable UVA alum during that time span. You know, those three that we're talking about, Tiki, Rondé, and uh, James Ferrier. But the thing with Tiki is that I think part of the reason why we know him so well from that era is because he was uh, broadcasting for so long while while his brother and Ferrier were still playing for a long time. And so when did Tiki retire? He retired. That's a good question. It must have been. It was after the oh, maybe oh seven season. I don't know. I'm looking this up <laughs> because the Giants won the Super Bowl right after. Yeah, at the end of 2006, retired at the end yeah, of 2006. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So I mean, he retires, and T and Ronde and James Ferrier are still playing. 
So does that take away from his legacy that he didn't play for as long as they did? Like he only played for nine years? I mean, in the history books, it does. I mean, fair or not. And, you know, you talk about guys like that. I mean, the example that will always be in my mind is Calvin Johnson. I mean, Calvin Johnson, if he wants to play another seven, eight, nine years, I mean, on the Lions, that dude was just an absolute freak. Yeah. But And he might have been one of the best wide receivers to ever play the game in the NFL. But he, his name is never going to come up, really, in the history books just because he didn't play long enough. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you talk about Emmett Smith, obviously a really talented running back, but, you know, he's a career rushing yards leader because of his longevity. Yeah. You know, they were probably, I think you can make an argument for a lot more talented running backs out there. Yeah, for um, sure. So, yeah, I, fair or not, I do think it plays in their legacy. I think when they were at the top of their game, though, I'll say this, I think Tiki Barber was better than the other two guys when he was at the top of his game oh i, I agree yeah, these yeah. guys just had such long careers and i mean it's really rare you have these type of long careers that terry mm-hmm. and ronde barber had too yeah oh i agree i think you know tiki had a really good stretch of years you know going from about 2000 until 2006 he had um seven uh in those seven seasons he had six seasons over a thousand yards rushing he had um touchdowns in every season and all of those seasons his first three seasons he didn't play nearly as much uh he did have a fumbling issue as you said having um during that time he had seasons of five 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 and six fumbles not in that order but just just fumbles in general and so I think but I think with the time with the longevity of his career you know if he's only playing really in the spotlight for those seven years it he's the face of the giants for sure, but he's not going to last long in terms of players like hall of fame wise, for example, yeah. like there's no way that I think he makes the hall of fame just cause he didn't play for the, as long as he could have. Yeah, exactly. And kind of his giants career. And, you know, he has all this stuff going on that wasn't the best after he retired, but kind of his giants career was tainted a little bit because he comes out, he retires and then he publicly kind of speaks poorly of Eli Manning. And then Eli Manning and that team wins the Super Bowl the next year. Yeah. So I, I don't think he did himself any favors in the eyes of the New Yorkers either. Yeah. No, for sure. So who do we, who is our final uh, person for best pro athlete out of this group? My pick is Rondé Barber still. I think Rondé, Rondé has the greatest career NFL achievements of those three. Okay. I'll I'll accept that argument. I still like Ferrier though, but I'll accept Rondé for he sure. He's a solid player, man. He was he's <laughs> talking about old school football. He was an old school linebacker. Yeah, it was pretty cool to watch him. Oh yeah. Um, a couple notes before we end this podcast. Best name for each team. I think the best name for FSU is obvious, and I know you want to say it, Rob. Yeah, Pooh Bear Allen, you know, <laughs> 100%. And he's a fullback, which is the best part. Right. Like, <laughs> So he's a little bit fat anyway? <laughs> he he fit it well, I think. Yeah, yeah, he fit it well. And I, I, I want to say, I want to give a special shout-out to Skeet Jones of UVA. Um, great name there. Great football name. Oh, I, I got the last name wrong. Pooh Bear Williams. Pooh Bear Williams. Me. But we're okay. really talking about the Pooh Bear. Yeah, we don't really... care about the last name. We could just <laughs> call him Pooh Bear. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think with this game, there's a 
huge legacy with it. There's a long-lasting legacy. People from this game, uh, for example, Anthony Poindexter, who played in this game, was involved in that last play a little bit. Uh, people from that game are still around the UVA, you know, in, in the minds of UVA fans a lot. And I think that because of that, this game might be the most important game or most important win, best win of UVA football's history. Do you agree with that? Because uh, we talked about the best play being the goal line stand. Could this be the best game, the best win that UVA football has ever had? To me, yes. I know really the only other argument out there that least as I'm concerned would be the 1990 Clemson game, because that was mm-hmm. a similar thing. You know, Virginia hadn't beat Clemson in, I mean, decades. And that was the year Virginia finally did. Um, but I mean, to me, you just putting this in context, you know, Florida state was unstoppable at the time, you know, mm-hmm. they'd won 29 straight ACC games. They were number one all season in 1995 and they dropped to number two only because they had a bye week and the number two team that, uh, that week was Nebraska, and they beat number seven Colorado. So Nebraska bumped them up the week uh, that Florida State wasn't playing. So I mean, really, Florida State easily could have been the number one team in the country when this happened. Yeah. And you know, just looking at the context, I mean, looking at this now, this would be the equivalent of you know UVA beating a Clemson or UVA beating an Alabama. You know, it's it's that level of an upset. Yeah. And you know, to me, to me, that carries more weight just where Florida State was nationally and where they had, had been nationally for several years. So to me, this is the biggest UVA football win. What do you think? I, I'd agree with you. I think some can make the argument that, you know, this past year's tech win would be the biggest. I, I don't really agree with that because it's super embarrassing that we lost 15 in a row before that. Um <laughs> And but even though it was huge for the program, it doesn't carry the same weight as beating the number two team in the country at home, uh, especially as you said with an unstoppable passing game like they had. So I I agree. I think this is the best win, probably the most important win, and definitely the most memorable win during UVA football's long history. Yeah, I mean you bring up the Tech game from last year too, and like that was such a great moment because it was just so much relief as much as anything yeah we finally did it right and it had weighed so much on the program it was like it was almost like beating purdue in basketball last year like there was so much weight on the basketball program cantoni bennett won in march and the purdue game is where they got over the hump yes we can well you know virginia football this year with virginia tech can can we beat virginia yes we can we can beat virginia and i think with i think with us this you know in between the florida state game in 95 the florida state game in 2005 maybe the win over miami in the orange bowl in 2007 yeah um, 07 07 and i think the tech game in 2019 you know between that time there's not a lot of big wins for this uva football program and i think for us that tech game was a huge win not only because we beat them for the first time in 15 years but because it gave us a relevancy to this program that we haven't experienced in our lives yet for us personally. So yeah, I, think- I mean, you look at, you look at UVA wins on the national stage. I mean, Florida state in 05 was number four when we beat them, but Florida state really tumbled down that year. I mean, I think they finished seven and five. We were the first loss of the season, but I think they really choked down the stretch. We don't you know, have to talk you can about go that back. Part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
you can go back. I remember we beat Georgia Tech and Mike London's second season when Georgia Tech was like number 11, but same type of deal. Like Georgia Tech really fell that season, didn't mm-hmm. finish that high, you know? And then going back, like the last kind of, I guess you can go like seven or eight years after that. I think it was the 04 Florida State game where Virginia, I think, was number six. Florida State was number seven. It was a big time game. It was played at Joe Campbell Stadium. And Virginia just got blown out of the water. It was like 30 something to six. Yeah. I mean, they're really, you know, you look at back at big time wins Virginia has had on the national stage where on Sports Center, the lead is, hey, look what UVA football just did. You know, this is really it. I mean, this is program defining. You yeah. know, this is to me easily, you know, maybe not easily, but to me, pretty clearly, you know, the best UVA football win. And I really think the only reason why I brought up Tech is for recency bias and because, you know, that's been on our minds for so long. But I think I think without taking that into account, I think asking someone older than us, um, I think it would go Florida State and then the 2019 Tech game. I think it goes 1-2. And I think it's a pretty substantial gap between 1 and 2 in terms of quality and also in terms of importance to the program yeah no i i totally agree i i think this game was just so huge it was honestly it, like it it was really cool watching this like honestly like it, i've seen this before but it was cool to kind of go back and see it again yeah I, I really enjoyed it i really enjoyed doing this with you rob i think we've got to do this again sometime and uh i think we'll come up with different games maybe some basketball ones maybe some soccer lacrosse some classic soccer lacrosse games, maybe a baseball here or there. And, uh, yeah. And like an open invite to anyone listening, you know, like if there's games you want to see, let us know. Or, or listen, we've to. got ideas, but we'd love to hear what y'all have to say. You can watch along with us. Definitely. If, uh, it might be too late to say this, but if you, if you want to watch the Florida state game before, <laughs> before listening to this, you can definitely do that and then follow along with us and tell us what you think. But uh, let us know what you think uh, on Twitter. You can DM us. Insta- Rob is always on Instagram and Snapchat. You can always find him there, at Guys and Ties Pod. <laughs> Rob, is there anything else you want to say about this game or uh, UVA football or even the Guys and Ties Classics program? What do you think? I'm excited for Guys and Ties Classics. You know, I think I think this will be a good thing. I think it's a and, great. You, know, you turn on you turn on anything right now. Right. It's it's, it's a classic. So yeah, it's a classic. Why not join? we're we're not sheep we are leading the pack in terms of uva <laughs> uh, podcast however um make sure to follow us on twitter at guys and ties pod make sure to follow us on instagram and snapchat for all that bonus content at guys and ties pod go ahead and give us a follow on itunes or spotify if you want to keep listening to us and go ahead and check out armchair media they've got all your favorite podcasts sports are not happening right now but there's still podcasts going on about sports so make sure to check them out And we will see you guys next time we do a recording. Go Hoos. Go Hoos.